Recovery Radio, KMP3, Thousand Oaks. Ah, yes. just getting started or it's just winding down or it's somewhere right in the middle but here we are you and me and I am glad very grateful I have no desire to drink today have to start by saying that I am going to have Dave back on talk about things in step four. I don't know when that will be, but there's a lot of valuable stuff that he has to say about it. But, um, yeah, I've been really tired. The kind of person that goes really hard for months and months and months Lots of inspiration, lots of activity, lots of plans, lots of doing, building things. And then I hit a wall about once a year where I just kind of need to decompress and rest, hibernate almost in some ways. So there's some of that happening now, but... um, But today I did want to um, tell you that because that's why Dave hasn't been on. It's because of me, not him. But um, I did want to keep going with the What Does the Big Book Say workshop information for anybody who's doing this and following along. The feedback has been so encouraging. I'm really grateful that it's helping and that so many of you are getting so much out of it. It's a really, um, it's wonderful to hear. So thank you for the letters and uh, the messages and all that stuff. So today I just wanted to talk about step five. There's not a lot here, but I think things I wanted to talk about are important in my own experience. So I just want to share them. And, um, yeah. 
I'm going to break out a book called Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Also, I'm not funny anymore. Whenever I'm like this, I'm just not funny. I just don't have it in me. It takes a lot of energy to be so funny. I don't have that energy. All right. I'm going to turn to page 72, and I'm going to start reading Into Action. Having made our personal inventory, what shall we do about it? We've been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our creator, to discover the obstacles in our path. We have admitted certain defects. We have ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. We have put our finger on the weak items in our personal inventory. Now these are about to be cast out. Notice that it doesn't say, now we're about to work on these things for the rest of our lives. Now we're about to focus on these things constantly or a lot. It says these are about to be cast out. That's pretty significant, I think. He's going to be cast out. God's going to remove these things, the book says. This requires action on our part, which, when completed, will mean we have admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact exact nature of our defects. Bill did not like to use the same words, so he mixed it up a lot. Defects, grosser handicaps, shortcomings, faults. uses these interchangeably. This brings us to the fifth step in the program of recovery mentioned in the preceding chapter. This is perhaps difficult, especially discussing our defects with another person. We think we have done well enough in admitting these things to ourselves. There is doubt about that. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. Many of us thought it necessary to go much further. We will be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person. We see good reasons why we should do so. The best reason first. If we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. I want to point out that when they talk about self, solitary self-appraisal being insufficient, they're talking about it in the context of step five. They're talking about doing step five. This is perhaps difficult, discussing our defects with another person. We think we have done well enough at many of these things to ourselves. We don't have to do step five. We couldn't see it. Well, in their actual practice, we found we usually find solitary self-appraisal insufficient. Later on, we're going we're gonna to be able to trust our thinking, according to the big book, under certain conditions. So, it might seem like an irrelevant little thing. Maybe it is. <laughs> But to me, it's not, so I wanted to point it out. The context is so important with all these things, in my experience. So we'll be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person. We see good reasons why we should do so. The best reason first, if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. Again, they're talking about Step five. We're not talking about skipping step 10. 
They're talking about step five. And again, maybe that doesn't matter to you who's listening, but maybe it helps. Maybe you disagree with all this, which is okay too. Time after time, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives. Trying to avoid this humbling experience, they've turned to easier methods. Almost invariably, they got drunk. Having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. We think the reason is that they never completed their house cleaning. They only thought they took inventory. I mean, they took inventory all right, but it hung on to some of the worst items in stock. They only thought they lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves. But they had not learned enough humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all their life story. He's not changing the rules here. He's not saying now now do an inventory by writing down your life story. He's just saying, you got to tell them everything in the inventory. You can't leave stuff out. In this next section, I'm going to read and I'm going to talk about it too because it's important to put this in context as well. I think. More than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. I want to point out they're talking about a still-practicing alcoholic, as will be evidenced by the fact that they keep describing this as a person who continues to drink. They're not saying a person who's sober for 10 years and goes to meetings is more than most people living a double life. That might be true, but that would not be because he's alcoholic. Anyways, more than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. He is very much the actor. To the outer world, he presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. The inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on his sprees, meaning he's still drinking. Coming to his senses, he is revolted at certain episodes he vaguely remembers. These memories are a nightmare. He trembles to think someone might have observed him. As fast as he can, he pushes these memories far inside himself. He hopes they will never see the light of day. He is under constant fear and tension. That makes for more drinking. Psychologists are inclined to agree with us. We have spent thousands of dollars for examinations. We know but few instances where we have given these doctors a fair break. We have seldom told them the whole truth, nor have we followed their advice. And willing to be honest with these sympathetic men, we were honest with no one else. Small wonder why so many in the medical profession have a low opinion of alcoholics and their chance for recovery. We must be entirely honest with somebody if we're to live, if we expect to live long or happily in this world. Rightly and naturally, we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and confidential step. Meaning, it does not have to be one person. And they're about to describe a reason why. In a minute. Those of us belonging to a religious denomination which requires confession must, and of course, will want to go to the properly appointed authority whose duty it is to receive it. Though we have no religious connection, we may still do well to talk to somebody ordained by an established religion. 
We often find such a person quick to see and understanding our, our problem. Of course, we sometimes encounter people who do not understand alcoholics. If we cannot or would rather not do this, we search our acquaintance for a closed-mouthed, understanding friend. Perhaps our doctor or psychologist will be the person. It may be one of our own family, but we cannot disclose anyone to our wives or parents which will hurt them and make them unhappy. We have no right to save our own skin at another person's expense. Such parts of our story we will tell someone who will understand, yet be unaffected. The rule is that we must be hard on ourselves, but always considerate of others. What they're talking about, my understanding, is... When they say we have to be hard on ourselves, they mean we're going to say everything. We need to not edit this. We need to just tell someone everything. But considerate of others, meaning I'm not going to tell you something that's going to hurt you. I'm not going to say to you, I used to, you know, hate your guts and you had no idea. So you weren't hurt by it, but... Now you are, because now you know about it, and we're good now. My skin was saved, and now you feel terrible. They say, don't do that. That's rude. That's selfish. If you never knew somebody had a problem with you, and then they came up to you and told you all the stuff you didn't know, would you feel better? We'll get to that more when we read about the amends talks about this breaks it down into different contexts sometimes we say things and sometimes we don't we'll talk about that we'll get to that but that's one of the reasons they say person or persons if there's something I don't want to say to person A I can read 90% of my inventory to person A and 10% to person B but I can't be the only one who knows something. Somebody else has to know everything. It doesn't have to be the same person, but I can't be the only one who knows something. Notwithstanding the great necessity for discussing ourselves with someone that may be one is so situated there's no suitable person available. If that is so, this step may be postponed only, however... If we hold ourselves in complete readiness to go through it at the first opportunity, we say this because we are very anxious that we talk to the right person. It's important he be able to keep a confidence, that he fully understand and approve what we're driving at, and he will not try to change our plan. But we must not use this as a mere excuse to postpone. When we decide who is to hear our story, we waste no time. We have a written inventory, and we are prepared for a long talk. We explain to our partner what we are about to do and why we have to do it. Ready for this? He should realize we are engaged upon a life-and-death errand. Most people approached in this way will be glad to help. They will be honored by our confidence. I'll stop there, as far as the reading goes. Yeah, because then it's going to describe what happens when we have carefully followed directions and what it should look like, roughly. 
you know, the shelf analogy where if we went to the store and bought a shelf and put it together, there'd be directions to accompany it. And um, <clears throat> there'd be illustration, you know, saying, do this and do this and do this. And then this is what it should look like roughly. Do this and do this and do this. And this is what it should look like roughly. If you're putting together a shelf, you know, there'd be a picture. Now it has these levels. The big book is just like that. And here's one of those illustrations. Comes up next. And it describes a, a, a really good experience. It doesn't say, after we've done our fifth step, we hate ourselves more than ever. Now we're super selfish. Now we can't stand to look at ourselves. Now we feel terrible. That's not what the big book describes. That'll be like putting together a shelf and it's going across the floor and it's not working and your shelf doesn't look like the illustration at all. You can't use it. It's all crooked and sideways. And you just say to yourself, well, a lot of shelves look like that. So it's not like the drawing here in the instructions, but whatever. I guess it's okay. Well, but we'll read that next time. We'll start there. But what I wanted to say is, I wanted to say what, you know, this, the, the fifth step starkly is not in the big book. It's not something that you have to read to somebody who knows you. It's not something you have to read to somebody who's going to continue to. It's not. In the big book, the other person's there to mostly confirm that being honest with yourself and with God. Because when you say these things out loud, it causes a little humility. You lose a little fear, lose a little egoism. But it's not, in the big book, a therapy session. It's not um, It's kind of just that and nothing else. And going through the workshop with people, there were a lot of people who um, do their fifth step with somebody that they don't know. And they have these really amazing experiences. And they've never done anything like that before. They've always done inventories with their sponsors. But. So you could do that too. You know, you do whatever you want. Obviously. But in the big book. The other person's there just to confirm. That I'm being honest with myself and with God. I'm really tired. I'm going to be done. Hope that helped somebody. When I get really tired, it's really hard to speak. Still, because of the stroke. I can do it. But it takes a lot of effort. So, yeah. What a, 
What a problem I am grateful to have. I gotta tell you, I'm so grateful to have that problem. So afraid. Could have been so much worse. It's kind of amazing. I want to give a shout out to Happy Joyous and Three on the East and West Coast. I want to say hello to Chelsea. Podcast Greater Than Yourself, Sober Gratitudes Podcast. Black Rhinos. And I will say to anyone who needs to hear it, everything is okay. I haven't talked about the modeling lately because it has really kind of been a fiasco on their end. I was supposed to be in this calendar called uh, Sober Boys of Summer. And um, I know it's playing God, but I really wanted to wear... Uh, it was like an American flag speedo in a way. And I really wanted to wear the American flag speedo. And Mr. July was like, no, I don't think so. I have dibs on that. And it got a little heated. And um, in the end, you know, we're reshooting the pumpkin shot again for like the fifth time. But I haven't talked about it because it's been kind of a source subject. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's been a sore subject, and um, <laughs> I could go on and on and on with this kind of thing, but I'll stop. <laughs> My life was saved, and I do not know why. And it doesn't matter why. What matters is what I do with it. So, on that note, I am going to go try to live a life that was worth saving. And I hope you'll do the same. Good night.